0: Hello, and welcome to this special bonus episode for subscribers to Technology Powers X. It's a story about how robots at the edge are helping manufacturers tackle labor shortages and keep their workers safe while scaling their businesses and outperforming the competition. On a country road, on the edge of town, in a rural part of the Southern US, there's a large low-lying building. You don't really see it from the road there's a row of trees blocking the view. And even if you did see it, you'd probably just keep driving. It's just another industrial facility, an assembly line churning out widgets or whatevers. Except it's not, because what's inside the factory is actually quite remarkable. What's being made here are engine components for commercial jets. To be specific, they're making turbine shrouds of ceramic matrix composites. These engine housings can handle temperatures of more than 2,400 degrees, and they weigh less than a third of the metal parts they're replacing. This single part is making flying 1.5% more fuel efficient. Multiply that by all the planes in the sky and all the miles they fly, and you're talking about saving millions of dollars in fuel costs and millions of tons of carbon emissions. But as cool as that is, It's not what they are building that I'm most interested in. It's how. The how is by using robots, not just fixed assembly line mechanical arms that repeat the same motion over and over again and stop everything if they break down outside of maintenance cycles. That's old school. These robots plan their own tasks, adapt to changing situations, and interact naturally with their human colleagues. Before these new robots came to town, the plant would turn out 50 units a week. They are now on track to produce 1,500 a week by early next year. They've retrained staff to make that happen too. People now spend their time doing higher value tasks while the robots do the heavy lifting. We call this factory remarkable. (laughs) Now we can't describe in a single podcast all the robots at work. So we're going to zero in on just one type. The The ones we're interested in, well, they aren't the two-legged chatterboxes we see in kids' movies. And they're not big, muscled, chrome-plated menaces stomping down city streets set on eradicating the human race. Nothing like that. They are, well, let's say, understated. They're low, flat platforms that glide through factories and warehouses, carrying stuff that would otherwise have to be lifted or pulled, pushed or tugged by humans, or moved by a forklift from where they are to where they're needed next. These smart platforms on wheels are called autonomous mobile robots, and they're made by Automotors.
1: An autonomous mobile robot is a vehicle which is capable of safely navigating real-world environments and all their unknowns.
0: That's Ryan Garoppe, the CTO of Auto Motors.
1: That's people that's forklifts, tricycles, bicycles, everything.
0: Their robots help manufacturers tackle labor shortages, scale their business and outperform the competition. This is Inside a Remarkable Factory, a podcast about making manufacturing facilities more efficient, more productive, and safer. This is the next great productivity revolution and it's brought to you by Dell Technologies and Intel. We're gonna find out from Ryan how his team is helping factories around the world achieve remarkable outcomes with artificial intelligence and automation at the edge. And from Dell Technologies and Intel about how this is part of a bigger trend towards smarter manufacturing with edge computing and 5G networks. Step one is to figure out exactly what a modern factory needs.
1: Generally, it's about um, flexibility and efficiency. They've got workflows that they understand already, and now they're able to repurpose their team members, their workers into other areas. And
0: these robots get better by the day.
1: Previous generations of robots were were limited. They didn't have freedom, for lack of a better term. They were constrained to follow a, a strip of tape on the ground, or they were robot arms stuck within a cage. But now you have these robots which are able to replan and move around people, move around forklifts and make their own decisions in how this material moves around. And that's a completely different dynamic.
0: Automotor's robots use artificial intelligence, that's AI, and machine learning, that's ML, to adapt to their environment quietly, without fanfare.
1: That's the sort of thing where, you know, AI and ML doesn't always have to be this like, sexy, big-picture thing. If the robot sees that a dock that it traditionally thinks is in one position has actually moved over a foot or two feet because someone has done factory construction, you know, the robot will figure that out.
0: This kind of flexible automation often yields big results. For example, a robot might learn to take a slightly longer route with less traffic so it can move faster.
1: Sometimes it can just improve the robot's performance, you know, improve the robot's average speed 5%. 5% makes a difference, right? Like, if you went to any automotive company and said, we can run your factory lines 5% faster for no additional operational costs, they would love you for it.
0: But it's not just about speed.
1: These robots have a growing capability to sense their surroundings. So now there's new potential to optimize anything the robots can see that can be safety-related, that can be process-control-related, that can be inventory-control-related. There's all sorts of potential here because now you have these immensely powerful edge computing devices that are actually moving around.
0: All that adaptability is showing up on the bottom line. That has changed the way manufacturers view AMRs. The questions we were asked five years ago was, does it work? Is it safe?
1: The questions we're asked now is, How much does it cost for my application and how much money will it save me? These are very different questions.
0: Otto is a great example of how manufacturers are using data on the factory floor to improve their outcomes. In Otto's case, the analysis is done on board, in the robot's brain, which has Intel-based architecture inside. But not all of the devices on the factory floor have their intelligence built in. This is where edge computing comes in. While there are many opinions on what the edge is, at its core, it is where businesses collect data and use it immediately. To do that, you need some kind of edge computing, either onboard something like auto or infrastructure nearby capable of instantly collecting and analyzing data from devices, controllers, or sensors already on your factory floor.
2: Edge Computing is being able to take those smart factory applications, smart factory platforms and the workloads that are generating those efficiencies and being able to run them at the source where data is being generated, where that information is needed and where real time actions happen without having to wait for the latency of the cloud.
0: That's Todd Edmonds, the global CTO of Industrial IoT and Edge, for Dell Technologies.
2: It's becoming fairly apparent in the industry that whereas cloud was the initial easy button, you get more advantages because of that compute infrastructure at the edge, where the data is, where the action is happening. You have a lot less latency, a lot less problems with data sovereignty, a lot less security problems, and even a lot less cost by moving a lot of those workloads to the edge.
0: So rather than collecting data, transmitting it, and storing it so you can analyze it somewhere else at a later date, you do the analysis in real time, right at the edge.
2: And because of that, the data and how much data and what types of data that you use at the edge are starting to explode, too
0: that explosion of data is real it leads to all sorts of issues so Todd has spent a lot of time figuring out where to put it he's identified two ways that manufacturing customers are handling data at the edge
2: One is the typical data domain that everybody's been used to for so long, spinning media or even solid state media hard drives that we all know and love in our laptops and our desktop computers. The second type that's starting to emerge is a much more enterprise grade, hybrid type cloud data that stores and runs enterprise applications, but also allows that access to that
0: data from anywhere. Analyzing data at the edge is efficient, but you probably will still want to store it in some way. Some of that data has even greater value when it's combined with data from sources outside the factory. That's where the cloud storage or the hybrid cloud storage solutions Todd is talking about come into play. It's a no-brainer that if you were building a factory from scratch, you would incorporate intelligence at the edge every way you could. I mean, that's the ideal scenario.
2: The key is to make sure to think about the infrastructure and the architectures that are going to be inside the plant from day one to run all the applications and use cases that a customer may have today, but also make sure that it's a scalable enterprise-grade infrastructure to be able to run the applications we haven't even thought about in the future.
0: The best way to future-proof your infrastructure is the use of a 5G network. That's a cue for Caroline Chan, Vice President and General Manager of Network Business Incubation at Intel.
3: 5G is the current wireless standard, but unlike the previous generation LTE and 3G, 5G is designed for the ground up beyond the consumer space. It also enables many of the verticals and enterprises to conduct what we call digital transformation, such as bringing AR, VR to your factory floors—all the things that we wanted to do before, but now is being able to do this wirelessly.
0: 5G brings increased bandwidth, but its most notable quality is the decrease in latency. That is enormously important in a manufacturing setting.
3: For example, if you have a robotic arm that you want to very precisely cut through a sheet metal to do a very precise operation, it requires a low latency and high throughput type of uh, communication link. That's what 5G brings it to you. It brings your capacity, it brings your low latency, it brings you a very deterministic results.
0: Earlier, Ryan from Auto Motors talked about being adaptable the idea that factories need to be able to change what they do and how they do it. A 5G environment brings that flexibility.
3: For example, in a manufacturer if today, without 5G, they would likely probably have to relying on some Ethernet cables. But that means that you had to refactor your factory floor every time you're changing your manufacturing production line. But with 5G, you're able to do this wirelessly. It significantly reduces the cost and the time and also gives you a much more finer knob that you can turn to adjust the capacity and the throughput to exactly what you wanted.
0: But security, privacy and data sovereignty concerns also come into play. And they all add up to the need for complete control over where your information is and who has access to it.
3: Many times when you do things like uh, machine learning, you have tremendous amount of data. You don't want to send all of that to the cloud. So typically it's a, it's both a control and security issue that really meets your own business requirements.
0: Speed, flexibility, and privacy are great. But the most important thing about 5G is that it allows you to dream big.
3: 5G is a tool that can allow you to significantly make your factory floor a remarkable floor, more than just an incremental improvement. It becomes a transformational effort. I think the enterprise implement 5G by in, in many ways. Number one thing is select the right partner.
0: That might mean outsourcing the whole process to a telecommunications company. Or you can partner directly with Dell Technologies, which incorporates Intel technology and in infrastructure that enables 5G networks.
3: That's what the nice thing about 5G, it gives you the flexibility to adjust it based on your budget, your requirements. And we also seen a, a, a lot of these uh, uh, factory floors uh, either a DIY or hybrid or completely outsource that to the operator.
0: One of Ryan's customers sent him a video of Otto's robots in action and the robots were doing robot things. But what really made him smile is what he saw in the background.
1: It's a facility where there's about 20 of our AMRs and they're, they're just moving boxes around. But the, the thing which is really compelling is that you don't see people rushing around pushing boxes. You see some maintenance staff walking around, but it's more casual that you see them walk up to each other, you see them talk to each other, you see them go back to their tasks. There's not people like freakishly running up and down the aisles just to get stuff done. It seems a lot
0: more pleasant. Incorporating robots into your process isn't a plug-and-play solution. It takes strategy. That's because the benefits of smart manufacturing don't come from making individual machines smarter, but from gaining continuous insights into and control over every part of the process, from the start of the supply chain to the end customer.
1: If all you do is buy some robots and throw them in your factory, there's a risk of it becoming the science here project. You bought a handful of robots and that was your thing, but they didn't actually provide any business goals because your team didn't know how to work with the robots.
0: That's why Auto does more than just sell robots.
1: So what we also do, aside from the robots, is we provide fleet management systems, we provide a data pipeline, and we also provide applications engineering and simulations and you know digital twin functionality to ensure that these enterprises are, are getting more than a science or a project.
0: One of the most promising things on the near horizon is that Otto's robots will soon be able to manage their own maintenance, making the factories they work in even more efficient. Changing a factory from simply modern to remarkable is not a simple process, but it will probably include simplifying your edge and using 5G in ways you hadn't previously considered. Here's Caroline Chan about the evolution of 5G.
3: Very early on, we were looking at 5G as a digital transformation, more than just a communication tool. So we set out to enable an ecosystem that is cloud-native, that's virtualized, and because the Intel business has always been from the cloud and to the network and to the end devices like the IoT devices. So we understand the entire ecosystem. You wanted to make it as consumable and easy to deploy as possible. So we really look at ourselves as the ecosystem enabler, the Intel inside principle, extended beyond what you typically see in a laptop, but into the 5G network, Intel inside the 5G network. So that's how we see our role.
0: And Todd Edmonds on how to simplify your edge. Dell can help with three
2: main things. Number one, we have a phenomenal team of people across the globe who know this scalable enterprise grade infrastructure approach through and through to make sure that you build security from the beginning, embedded from the ground up. No longer is security just something you can bolt on. It has to be embedded into the infrastructure and into the solutions from day one. Lastly. Use your Dell representative to help you plan that scalability and manageability piece so that you can repeat that across a factory or across all the factories across the globe.
0: It all adds up to improved efficiency, productivity, and safety. And those three things all contribute to the bottom line. I can't help but wonder as I watch a video of auto cruising through a factory, its little turn signal lights blinking away, communicating in its own intuitive way, whether people become attached to their autos.
1: We are really interested in the field of human-robot interaction in general. There's just some interesting things, like why do people name our robots but not name their own forklifts? Most of our customers name the robots. We do not ask them to name the robots. Um, We don't tell them that other people name the robots, but everyone ends up naming robots.
0: Now, I don't know if they've named the robots at that aviation factory I talked about off the top. But just in case they haven't yet, let me suggest Charles, Amelia and Chelsea, as in Lindbergh, Earhart and Sullenberger. To learn more about this episode, visit delltechnologies.com slash technologypowersx.